Good morning, church, and thanks for joining us today online. My name is Josh Hardcastle, and I'm the high school minister here at Southern Hills. It's been a really weird and kind of crazy summer, hasn't it? You know, Avery and I and our student ministry team and really everybody on staff, we've had to learn how to do a whole new job in a whole new way. And our summer has looked uh, vastly different in student ministry. Typically, we take our students to our biggest event of the year, um, and that's camp at Camp Akiva. And then we'll do things throughout the summer that are fun, like go to the Rangers games and Six Flags and spend time together. And one of our high schoolers' favorite trips is a mission trip to Denver, Colorado, where we spend time with the people at Dry Bones. In the first half of the week, we spend in the mountains reconnecting with God, uh, hiking together, hanging out together. And then the second half of the week is spent reconnecting with his people in downtown Denver. And we spend time with, with young adults who are houseless and living on the streets. And over the past three summers, I've gotten to meet some of the most amazing and incredible people. People who have every right to be frustrated by their situation, but they're not. People who have every right to question, why is this happening to me? But they don't. And we've all heard the phrase, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. But recently, I've been feeling a little bit more like some of these sayings. When life gives you lemons, throw them back. When life gives you lemons, squirt them in somebody's eyes. When life gives you lemons, keep them because, hey, a free lemon. And then my favorite, when life gives you lemons, you go tell life to get a life because lemons are a terrible gift. And the basic meaning behind this phrase is that when you go through a time of adversity to look for the silver lining. And before we go any farther, I'm going to show you how to make the perfect lemonade, the Lord's Lemonade from Chick-fil-A. Now we have three simple ingredients, water, lemon, and sugar. Should be easy, right? Well, there's a whole process that has to take place before we can enjoy the lemonade to the fullest. The first thing you need is your lemon juice. And so I went ahead and squeezed a bunch of lemons so that you don't have to watch me for the next three hours squeezing lemons. And after that, you need to get a cup of sugar. And then finally, add about five glasses of cold water. And that cold water helps bond all of the ingredients together. And then the last thing you do is stick it in the refrigerator for about an hour because these things need to sit as they bond. And everything, it needs to sit before it's ready. And we know that good things come to those who wait. And I bet you're asking yourself right now, why did they let the student minister preach again? That's a great question. And I promise if you stick with me, it'll all make sense real soon. You know, we're living in a time right now where it seems like lemons are being lobbed at us left and right. For me in my life, my biggest lemon was lobbed at me my senior year of high school. I was preparing and planning on playing football at the collegiate uh, division one level. And going into my senior year, all signs pointed to that being a reality. Then the first play of two days came in August and my life changed. I'll spare you the gory details, but essentially I dislocated my ankle and broke my fibula on the very first play of two days. And that night in the hospital, I, I was crushed. Um, I was angry, but more than anything, I was, I was just heartbroken. See, everything about my identity was wrapped up in football. You know, I woke up early to go and watch film at school. I went to all of my classes just so I could get through my classes so I could get to practice. I stayed late sometimes just to get reps in um, and, and talk with the coaches and hang out with the other players. Everything, it was everything to me. Football was my life. So when it was all gone, I really didn't know where to go. 
I spent the the night upset at God and wondering why he allowed this to happen to me. But the next day I made a decision that I would not be defined by this injury. The doctor, he came in the next morning and really told me what I already knew and what I was expecting to hear that I probably wasn't gonna get to play again this season. But he did follow up that conversation with another one and said that if I rehabbed my ankle hard enough and if my team went into the playoffs, that I might be able to come back just in time. And that was all I needed. So for the next 10 weeks, four, four days a week for two hours, I went to rehab, to rehab my ankle and I was able to make it back. And luckily Abilene High was pretty good that year and we made a deep playoff run. The second week of playoffs though, I got cut from behind and I landed on my hand and I felt this pop and it was broken, but not bad enough where I had to have surgery right away. The doctor said I could wrap it up in a club and still be able to play. So going into the third week of the playoffs, I had a recovering ankle, a slightly broken hand and a whole lot of motivation to keep going until I felt the pop in my knee. And I promise you, I'm not making this up. Uh, My meniscus was torn and I finally tapped out. My football career was over. You see, this whole time I'd been fighting against God's plan for my life. I wasn't willing to hear him when he had another plan for me. I had a lot of lemons that were lobbed at me my senior year and I didn't know how to make lemonade. If you know anything about the story of Joseph, you know that he had a lot of lemons in his life as well. And we're introduced to the kind of person that he is right away in Genesis chapter 37. Uh, It says in verse two that he brought a bad report about uh, his brothers to his father. So the very first thing we learned about Joseph was that he was a tattletale, which nobody likes a tattletale and neither did his brothers, which is why it says in verse four, when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not bring themselves to speak peaceably to him. If you're watching, does anyone out there have a sibling that just, they seem to get away with everything or they seem to get everything. And when they tattle, it's cute. But when you tattle, it's complaining. So imagine knowing these things about Joseph right now at this point in his life. And then he comes to his brothers one day and tells them, listen to this dream I had. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. I kind of feel sorry for Joseph at this point because I legitimately think he doesn't know how he's coming across to other people. The next day, his father Jacob sends him out to his brothers and the brothers start to plan a way to kill him. They stripped him of his clothes, threw him in a pit, and then they decided to sit down and have some barbecue. After a while, uh, they, they see some guys who were heading to Egypt and they decided rather than killing Joseph, let's just sell him and make some money off of him. So we finally see the first lemon in Joseph's life. You see, Joseph, he he had this dream uh, from God. God gave him these dreams. And in his dreams, he was in a position of power, but because of what his brothers just did to him, now he's in a pit of pain. And it makes me wonder if we feel this way sometimes in our own spiritual life. We know that there are promises that God has made to us to bless us, but sometimes we feel more burdened than blessed. And all that to say is, can we trust God in the gaps? 
Can we trust him when things seem hopeless? Can we trust Jeremiah 29, 11, that God knows the plans that he has for us, plans for well-being and not for disaster, plans for a future and a hope? Can we trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding and in all of our ways submit to him and his path? And I don't know what kind of lemons that you have in your life right now as you're sitting at home, but God does. He sees you. He hears you. And he loves you more than you can possibly imagine. In his book, When Life Gives You Lemons, Gerald Fatayomi, he asks three questions as you go through seasons of adversity that we're going to look at today. And the first question is, what is in my control? I think we all know that we can't control everything, but some of us still try, don't we? And I think in the times when we get stuck, the best thing to do is make a list. Here are the things that I can control and here are the things that I can't control. And I want to challenge you with the things that you can't control. Give those over to God. Submit those to him. Joseph, he had zero control over his situation. He had zero control over how his brothers reacted. But he had every control and all the control over how he responded. So Joseph, he he was sold to this man named Potiphar. And, And he didn't know this, but there was some sweetness that was beginning to mix into Joseph's life, into his lemonade. And we jump to chapter 39, where it says that the Lord was with Joseph. And because of that, check this out. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's house for Joseph's sake. See, there was something about Joseph's character that caught Potiphar's eye. And Potiphar, he also realized that God was with him. And because of that, combined with the character of Joseph, Potiphar trusted everything in his house for him to take care of. But this sweetness, it didn't last long. There was another lemon that was coming Joseph's way. And this lemon was really pretty on the outside, but it was extra sour on the inside. Genesis 39, 6 said that Joseph was a good looking guy and he caught the eye of his master's wife. And soon she was trying to seduce him to get him to sleep with her. And Joseph's response, look at this. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Joseph was tempted and there really wasn't anywhere to go. And I want to take a quick second. I I don't know who needs to hear this out there, but I want to tell you that temptation is not sin. But it's what we do with our temptations that could become a sin. We have a choice. We have every opportunity to run from our sin just like, or run from our temptations just like Joseph did. And eventually she grabbed him by his garment and said, sleep with me. But leaving his garment in her hand, he escaped and ran outside. Joseph literally ran from this temptation and left his clothes behind. And because of that, this woman was able to uh, frame him and lie about him. And Joseph was thrown into prison. He was thrown into another pit and he didn't have any control over it. And that lemon gets squeezed squeezed more. And that brings us to our second question. How can I grow from this? I believe that God was preparing Joseph for an even bigger role than second in command in charge of someone's house. And even though another lemon was being squeezed, 
When he was thrown in prison, Joseph had no idea that there was another, even more sweetness coming into a sour situation. And when we ask this question, how can I grow from this in times of adversity? We shift our focus from our struggle back onto our story and how God can use us. Jesus' brother, James, he knew a little something about adversity and struggles. In James chapter 1, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. If I'm being honest, I want the faith that comes easy. I don't want trials. I don't want temptations. I don't want struggles. But you don't grow if you stay where you're at. You don't grow if you're stagnant. You grow when you push yourself outside of your comfort zone. You grow when, you're, when you fail. You grow when you say yes to God, even when it hurts, even when it's hard, and even when it doesn't seem like it's going to work. I believe that God can turn our trials into turning points in our life. Joseph, he said yes to God in the, in the season of adversity and he grew. And we see how he grew when two prisoners asked him to interpret dreams for them. When he first uh, told his brothers about the dreams that he had, it was all about, listen to the dream that I had and, and here's how uh, it went. Uh, but these two men in prison, his first response is, don't interpretations belong to God? Joseph didn't spend a lot of time asking why. Why did this happen to me? Why now? Why not somebody else? His main question was an act of obedience. What will I do because of this? You see, I think Joseph knew that adversity isn't the absence of God, but it's the opportunity to experience the presence of God in tough situations. Joseph, he spent two years in prison. And just like our, our lemonade, there's a waiting period. And the reason that there's a waiting period is because the sweet and the sour need time to bond together. Because it's not lemon juice that we're making, it's lemonade. The sourness and the tartness of the lemon might still be there, but we're making something new. God is making something new. And sometimes it takes time. And after that long amount of time, Joseph is, is finally given an opportunity to stand in front of the most powerful man in the world and help him interpret a dream that God gave him. And again, Joseph, he could have taken all the credit and said, yeah, let me tell you about the dream that you had. But Joseph doesn't do that. He's growing. The, the sour and the sweet, the struggles and the story are bonding together. Look at what Joseph says. It is beyond my power to do this, but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. Joseph, he was given a platform and he used it to show the most powerful man who the most powerful God was that created him. Brothers and sisters, you have been given a platform. Every time you go to work, every time you enter into a conversation, every time you log on to social media, every time you're with your family, Every time you go to school, hopefully, every time even you drive, we have a platform that can reveal the perfect father to an imperfect world. Joseph's, his competency got him into the room, but his character is what kept him there. So much so that Pharaoh made him second in charge over all of Egypt. And this brings us to our last question. Who can I help because of this? 
From the prison to the palace, God was with Joseph. And now he has the opportunity, Joseph does, to help other people. My question for you is, do you believe that? That God is with you? The same God that's going to deliver the Israelites soon from the Egyptians and walk with them as a huge pillar of cloud by day and a huge pillar of fire by night. The same God who says that I've known you since you were in your mother's womb and I made you so carefully and so wonderfully. The same God who came down to physically walk side by side with us. He's with you. He sees you. And I believe that we've been called to help and support and love our community and our church body. I love the way that the Passion Translation words, 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 and 4, it says, All praises belong to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for he is the Father of tender mercy and the God of endless comfort. He always comes alongside us to comfort us in every suffering so that we can come alongside those who are in painful trial. We can bring them this same comfort that God has poured out upon us. Joseph, he's gone through the squeezing of the lemons. He, he's gone through uh, the, the sweetness as well. He's, he's gone through the waiting period. And now it's time. The lemonade is ready. Because of Joseph's attitude towards his lemons and God's care for his people, he was able to turn his lemons into lemonade and get to a place where, where he can help his family, his own family, survive. This was all a part of God's plan to take care of his people when it seemed hopeless. And if you haven't heard anything else that, that I've said today, please hear this. That God can use our setbacks as a set up for his glory and, and to remind us that he's got this. So is there something in your life that God has called you to or to do that maybe uh, you've said no to? Is there someone that God has called you to, that you've said no to. You and I, we have an opportunity every day to experience the, the redeeming power of Jesus Christ. And, and I believe that we have a daily opportunity to help other people by our actions and by our words experience that same love and grace and mercy and redeeming power. Because sometimes people don't need you to preach a sermon, but they need you to live one. We're called as the body of Christ to help each other as we make lemonade in the squeezing and the hard times, in the mixing and the and encouraging times we can be there for each other, in the bonding, and this is the hardest part, in the waiting. So tomorrow is Monday. What, what does this mean for us? Why, does it, why do lemons matter? Why does lemonade matter? Why does a story about a guy named Joseph matter to us in our life? At the beginning of the year, Jared asked you to make um, a commitment to a specific area of discipleship that you'd like to grow in. So whether it's your home life, your work life, your love life, your financial, social, soul, or body life, I think, I think God's asking us to grow. And what I've found is that when I've tried to grow in my own life, Satan tries to bring me back down by discouraging me. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know that God loves you so much in your struggles and the times that you fall. And he loves you too much to let you stay there. So my question for you as we close is this. Do the lemons define you or do they shape who you become? 
because there's a joy in turning lemons into lemonade. And it starts with noticing and recognizing that Jesus is greater than our worst moments. And I want you to remember there's also a difference between lemon juice and lemonade. One brings bitterness and leaves a bad aftertaste. The other brings joy and sweetness to our tongue. Lemon juice, it stays as as it is, but lemonade is something completely new. And because of Jesus, you are something completely new. Let's worship together.